When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. episode with Greg and Maggie. They actually retired on the same day, which is roughly about a year ago, and they're going to go ahead and discuss with us how they did that and the feelings behind it, some advice they would give, some thoughts they had. So I'm really excited because I think it's going to help a lot of people on their journey in preparation, as well as maybe if you've recently retired as well, maybe you're feeling the same feelings, it might be something you can relate to. So so I'm excited to talk to them and get their experience. But before that, I do want to mention a new product that I've been trying called Magic Mind. And I mentioned in the previous episode, but wanted to mention it again because it's actually, I've been using it more consistently every day and it's been helping me be more productive. It's been helping me focus. I noticed that after I take it within about an hour or so, I'm really focused. I have the energy. I don't have the jitters that coffee gives me. And what I like about it is it tastes great. It's uh, matcha flavored and it's just a shot. So it's not a whole cup of coffee. I usually drink it uh, refrigerated, and uh, like I said, it's been something that I've been going to, leaning towards, and helping me pump out more content, be more productive. Um, I think it's actually a big reason why I've been uh, more productive on this podcast and at work. So uh, go ahead and try it out for yourself. You can check out the link in the description below. It's www.magicmind.co forward slash inspire to fire. And you can actually get up to 56% off your subscription if you order within the next 10 days using my code INSPIRE2FIRE. That's I-N-S-P-I-R-E-T-O-F-I-R-E. So go ahead and check it out. It's in the link in the description below. And uh, yeah, uh, see for yourself. But up to 56% off, I think that's a pretty good deal. So without further ado, here is Greg and Maggie. Hey, Greg. Hey, Maggie. Welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to have you guys. You guys are the first early retired couple 
that I've had on the show. And, and it, I'm really interested in getting into your story. And so I've had Maggie on the show before, but I've, this is first time for you, Greg. So I want to get a little bit of an introduction, a little bit about your money story and kind of get the audience familiar with not only Maggie, who you guys have met before is two years ago, actually, you can go back into the podcast log and find her episode with Mike and Maggie. Um, however, now with Greg, I just want to get your backstory. So tell us a little bit about your guys's money story. Yeah, well, I think think we I'll turn it over to you in a second Greg but I, I what's interesting is if you start at, at the very beginning of just how we grew up financially I think we grew up in very similar financial households in the sense of you know just very kind of average middle class and to some extent a bit of frugality from both of our parents in different ways for different reasons um but we I, I always say like it often is easier to be in a relationship with someone financially when you grew up, when you kind of came from a similar, it's not impossible if you didn't, but it definitely helps. And like, I think we have, you know, similar money stories and like we grew up in a similar way. Like we didn't have a massive amount of stuff, but we also didn't want for basic needs and, you know, normal stuff. And our parents both, I think had approaches of like, you know, like helping us get our first car, but then we had, did you have to pay for like insurance and gas? I had to pay for a lot of expenses. Yeah. yeah. And I think we have similar, as a result of that, similar kind of underlying values of money. Yeah. Yeah. Like our, I think both of our parents and from what I know, Greg, of like your mom installed and instilled a lot and and installed in some (laughs) way, uh, a lot of like, we will help and we will assist but you have to have some skin in the game and you have to have a job and if you want these you know uh luxuries is a strong word but if you want a car when you're 16 we i don't think either one of us did not have nice cars when we were 16 but we had cars and you know we had to pay for our own gas and insurance and stuff like that and so i just think like and we're doing a lot of the same with our own kids but i think getting those early lessons of just not having everything handed to you it teaches you a lot faster, a lot of responsibility about money. And I think as a result, you know, we, we met a little bit later in life. So we both got married to other people in our early twenties, were married for about 10 years, got divorced and then met each other in our mid thirties, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mid mid, mid thirties and, or like maybe early mid middle quarter 30. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, uh, somewhere in there. And we both were pretty like similar in the spirit of all things, like pretty similar in our approach to like, we were pretty frugal people and we were good at saving and kind of good at delayed gratification, but we also splurged on things. You know, we, we both felt like travel was important. And so we had a lot of aligned values in our money story. Um, And I think going through a divorce also makes you have to like, restart a lot of things financially and so it gives you a little bit of like a i don't know midlife kick in the butt to like get some things in order if you didn't have everything in order um Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's super important to be on the same page like you guys are saying uh, especially financially so can you talk to me a little bit about like your careers and maybe how long that lasted for how did you guys feel about it maybe what you guys did as well and then also you know what inspired you guys to be on this fire journey was it did it come from maggie did it come you know was was greg sort of 
in the loop with the fire movement? Like, how did that occur? <laughs> uh, maybe start with your career, Greg, and I'll, I'll uh, finish up. Yeah. Um, so I worked in healthcare uh, administration or leadership my whole career. And um, I think- At kinda, the same company. Yeah, at the same company. Yeah. Um, my, my family was all medical. My dad was a doctor and my mom was a nurse. And um, so, um, and I say past tense just because they're retired, but- um, so I grew up kind of in the healthcare sort of, you know, exposed to healthcare, but never really wanted to be a clinician. And then I realized, oh, wow, there's these management careers within healthcare. And so um, enjoyed it for a, a, a while, for a good while. And, and, and really, you know, big picture, it worked for great companies and companies that were doing good things. And so that's always nice when you feel like your, your company's out there, like doing positive things in the world. Um but um, definitely didn't um, at some point started to feel like I could not do this for the rest of my life and was kind of mulling over things like a midlife career change versus um, other things. And as we kind of uh, learned more about fire and I'll let Maggie kind of talk about how, how we were exposed to, it, but as I learned more about it, it to me became like the light bulb went off of, okay, I don't need to do a midlife career. I need to buckle down and um, really we need to get aggressive and, um, and retire early. And then, you know, slowly we can figure out what, what's next and what we're passionate about. But, um, so to me, that was just a huge revelation of not, not having to figure out how I'm going to make a similar income for a new company or a new, new career. And, you know, what do I want to do and start all over while still feeling like, but I got to keep my income, you know, equal to what it is now, which is just very overwhelming. And I know people do it, but I, I was, it was a big, uh, you know, felt like a huge fire choice. Was an and, easier, fire yes. was an easier path. Yeah, much more exciting path about. too. Yeah. Yeah, especially with kids, which we have three of them. Um, yeah, the other thing, Greg, just a comment about your career is, you know, you had, you know, risen through the ranks and, and the type of job he was in, I think was like highly bureaucratic, political. I mean, I don't even mean, when I use the word political, I don't mean in a bad way. Like you just have to deal with, a lot of different people, a lot of different personalities. You were dealing with like mergers and acquisitions and it, it's a, it was a high stress environment, which I think we both had similar in our careers. Um, and so for me, I worked at, I worked basically in e-commerce and different types of marketing for 20 years. And at one company, for, I worked for Home Depot for five years. And then I worked for IHG Hotels and Resorts for 15 years. So when I was leaving, it's like he was leaving a company that he had been at for 20 years. I was leaving a company that I had been at for 15 years. And we both also just interestingly gave a lot of notice. Like I gave like over nine months notice. It's a little too much for what it's worth, but I learned that. But I just, we, we were very open. I was super open about my, when some things changed about my career ambition, I was very open about it. I was kind of scared to be at first because I thought they might like put me off in the corner to, you know, like, what do you like, put me out to pasture, you know? <laughs> Um, but they didn't, they actually worked around what I was interested in doing in the time I had left there, which I was super grateful for. I kind of took a chance to be really upfront about how my aspirations had changed in a downward way of like, I don't want to do anything, you know, <laughs> higher, but I had a super stressful job. I enjoyed it very much. Like I was in leadership positions for most of my career. Most of those 15 years I was managing people and more and more as I progressed, um, up to the vice president level, which is where I was when I left. 
And I really enjoyed like the leadership aspect of it. I enjoyed the coaching. I loved managing teams, um, but it was just a lot. It was, a, it was incredibly demanding. And I think we were both hitting points where we were like burnout and hadn't had a break in 20 years, right? More than 20 years. Oh, yeah. Cause we both, I mean, I started working when I was like 14. I mean, I only count babysitting. I think my first W2 job was when I was 15 and I worked all through college. I mean, I had a lot of jobs. I never stopped. I had internships every summer and I was just like, I'm tired. Like I think I had like 30 years in working and I just need a break. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a lot of the culture that you know us we we have uh built the country around right it's like work 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 from the minute that you can start working and it's a good i think uh mentality to have up to a certain point like you mentioned yeah. i find that a lot of people in the fire movement you know join it or get so excited because they want to leave either a toxic work environment so that's their biggest motivation or like you mentioned, they've just been working and for so long and they just don't want to continue down that path for another 20 years, for example. Yeah. Um, and then I've seen where if you can find a way to make work a, li a little bit more enjoyable, maybe have a life uh, work-life balance. I think, Maggie, you dropped to a four-day week uh, yeah, at one point as well. I did. My last like year, year and a half, I switched roles and they knew I was you know, on my way out within the you know, next few years. I switched roles to a significantly less demanding job. And as part of that, I moved to 80%, which was, yeah, four days a week. Um, and it was a good taste because I was like, okay, that's a step, but I still like this 80% is getting to be you know, too much. <laughs> Maybe if I could have done 2080, which nobody was going to go for, but um, well, yeah. I think, I think that's important to highlight though, because uh, it allows you more time to build that fire journey or build that fire nest egg a little bit better so you're not rushing to that yeah. end point so quickly maybe um looking for that job that you can tolerate a little bit more or at least in my life that's how it's been where i was desperate to leave a corporate job and luckily i have and i found another corporate job but it's less toxic less demanding yeah. um so now i've kind of uh slowed down my fire path a little bit because i feel more comfortable i don't feel like i have to rush to it yeah, Chris, sense. I think that's an interesting point. And I, I'm like a big fan of the the pioneer, or sorry, pioneers, pioneers, which is a playoff of pioneers. Um, and because they, they talk a lot about enjoying the journey. And, you know, some people in fire, just like you said, get so laser focused on the destination. They're just sort of miserable and suffering on the journey. And I do think, you know, the path we took, which we can talk more about, because I know you asked kind of how we started with fire. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the path we took was somewhat happenstance, right? We, as we started kind of realizing this was possible later in life, we were like, Ooh, if we really buckle down for a few years, we can knock this out. We can get to our goal pretty quickly because we were in pretty high paying jobs and we had already done so much building up to that. Um, but I, I have just as much, if I were going back and like redesigning, you know, my life, I think I would look, I've, I've seen people who, you know, they have different like types of consulting jobs and other things. And they'll, they'll, you know, spend five years working and then they'll like take a whole year off and hang out with their kids and travel. And, you know, I, I if I could go back in time, I probably would spread some of what we're going to do for the next, you know, 20 years over the last 20 years, mm -hmm. if I could rebalance it, if you will. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So I, I think that's a great point because like there is no perfect path to buy and it's going to look different for everybody. And, and if you're really enjoying your job, and again, I didn't, 
neither one of us really hated our jobs and it wasn't toxic or anything like that. It was just stressful. We were tired and burnt out and we have three kids and we were like life short. We're missing these. We were, we still could like get to school events when we needed to, but we're, you know, jamming it in between other things. And, um, and I think we even got a taste of what more freedom could look like during COVID when we started working from home full time. And, you know, it's just um, every path is different. I think there's a lot to be said for figure out what works for you. Right, right. Yeah. And let's get into a little bit about those uh, about those moves that you made, I guess, um, if you can highlight maybe like two or three moves, or how did you align yourself financially to hit those goals? If you know, when you said you'd buckle down and yeah. Um, I think you might have mentioned in a previous podcast episode of yours, uh, Friends on Fire, that you deferred compensation for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I'll weave this into a question you asked earlier because it's kind of all related. When mm-hmm. you asked kind of how we first uh, started FIRE or learned about FIRE, mm-hmm. I actually worked with Kirsten and Julian from Rich and Regular. And oh, they cool. started a blog really early on. So that was over 10 years ago, I think that they started that blog and I was aware of it and I was interested enough about financial stuff and living more frugally and things like that, that I was like, I was a big fan of their blog and I might've been, I don't know if I was their number one fan at our company, but like, there was a lot of people who just like, that wasn't what they cared about or Mm -hmm. thought about. And I was like, I love this stuff, you know? And so I got my first taste probably of the fire term through even their blog and learning about it there. Um, and then I met Mike at work, who's my podcast co-host, who's a good friend of mine. And we decided to start Friends on Fire together because we started like at work nerding out about financial, personal finance topics and realized we had that interest in common. And Mike is meeting Mike, I think, is what really supercharged our journey. Like I was curious about it. We would talk about it prior to that, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't even remember. It's hard for me to remember a lot of the specifics. Yeah. It is hard to remember exactly how it unfolded, but I think we did talk about it and we were aware of it. And I think then, but, but yeah, Mike, because then you were having daily conversations yes. about like our you know, expenses, yeah. de- deferred compensation, which you mentioned, Chris, like I never, we, we had a deferred compensation program at IHG and it's an awesome program. Many big companies have a program like this. Your company, Greg, that was a nonprofit even had a version, a version of it yeah. called a 457B. And so many companies have something like this, not all though. And basically a DCP or deferred compensation plan, it allows you to defer your compensation when you're in a high tax rate, which we were. And basically say, take X percent of my salary and defer it into this account. And then there's all these rules that you pick about when it gets paid out. Every company is very different. And when it pays out, though, you receive that income as if it was like fresh W-2 income and it's taxed at whatever rate you're in. So if you're planning on early retirement, it's an amazing program because you take money that would have been taxed at 35% plus and you push it into small amounts each year over future years, and it's going to get taxed at 12%. So it's a, it's a huge tax advantaged type of program that's way more, I don't say way more lucrative, but like at our company, you could put way more into it than you could your 401k as an example. And that's obviously got you know rules about it with retirement age. And so I never... At our company, there was a small DC when you became when you made over a certain amount of money, you were considered a highly compensated employee. There was a small percentage of your salary that got matched on DCP. It was two percent. And I always put two percent into it because I didn't understand what it was. And when you like read the fine print, it's like called a rabbi trust at our company, at least. And 
And I'm like, what does that mean? What happens if something goes wrong? What, like where I just was very like sort of fear-based. I, I not even fear-based, but like, I just like knowing that my money was in very safe places. And so I didn't get the DCP. I didn't understand what it was. I just put my 2% in to get that company match. Then I met Mike and he explained the concept to me and kind of showed the math. And I, then I started putting 75%, which is the max of my salary. I, for a couple of years, I didn't, I've almost made no money because I deferred so much of my compensation. And things like that really supercharged our path. And so we both got pretty aggressive, but only for a few years, right? Like, right, we actually, I was so scared of the DCP. And I actually, the first year I did it at 75% was 2019. And then COVID hit and I was like, Mike, this is what I'm talking about. And, and like the bottom fell out of the travel industry. I was like, this is why I was afraid of DCP, like, because, and so I didn't do it for a year because, and, and there's like an annual enrollment on it at our company. And so then I went back to it. I kind of got spooked during the first year of COVID. Um, and then I went back to it, but yeah, DCP was a huge, deferring our compensation was a huge kind of forced savings vehicle for us that different than 401k, which even though there's a lot of ways to access your 401k in advance, which are our backup plans for various things, um, doing the conversion ladder, for example, um, we, most of the money we've planned to access between now and when we're old enough to access our 401k is actually from deferred compensation, a mix of cash. And then we also have a few rental properties, which produce some income, not a massive amount of income, but some income. We're in a pretty high expensive real estate market in Atlanta and we've got three properties here. Um, so the return is not as aggressive as it could be in some other markets. Um, but it's still a, a, a very good investment. For yeah. It's a diversification term. of investments yeah. and, you know, some passive income that isn't enough to completely live on, but certainly yeah. helps and reduces the amount we need to pull out of our other savings. Yeah. And they're, they're another, like, just like Roth conversion ladders off of our 401k. They're another backup plan. If we, we could sell a property or two, mm -hmm. if we needed to, if we ever were like, oh, we really need an influx of cash, something crazy happened. We also could go back to work, which is another backup plan, mm -hmm. right? That we're always like, if we had to, we could go back to work. Um, but we're really funding our early retirement from our deferred compensation. So I literally get a paycheck every every July now um, from my company and not my, actually not my company, but from the brokerage firm that runs our DCP. Um, and yours is a little bit different. Greg's is different on how it pays out. It's well, so you could elect a one, it's a one-time election. So I've, I will have um, yearly distribution that I'll get. Yeah. Um, but you could have chosen it all at once, which right. isn't ideal for tax reasons, because then you're getting hit with a, exactly, a bigger yeah. tax burden. So you really want to, we, we very thoughtfully have spaced this money out over the next 10 to 15 years to optimize for taxes, optimize or minimize the taxes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I want to go back real quick to highlighting that 457B plan, because that's something that I've been aware of as well. And it's offered at a lot of places, nonprofit, governmental right. positions, healthcare. Um, Maggie, you had something, it's similar, but it's, it's different um, with your deferred compensation, I believe. Um, but yeah, it's such a great account because like you mentioned, you can defer your compensation there. And I think you have to separate from service or leave the company to then go ahead and access it. Yes, right. that's a great point. Yeah. Both but then you don't have to wait until you're 60 or 59 and a half, um, which is huge for the fire community. And, and then you can choose, like you mentioned, to withdraw at whatever rate you'd like. 
that was going to be one of my questions. How has, has that um, monthly or yearly uh, withdrawals been? You said you chose pretty much yearly at this point, right? Yeah. So we haven't even gotten our first one yet because we, it's been almost 300. We're at like 315 ish days since we retired. I recently counted mm. and, uh, or I asked Siri how many days it had been since <laughs> our last day. So we're, we're pushing a little over 300 days. Um, but yeah, our, I don't remember when your, which month yours comes in, but mine comes yeah. in the summer basically. Okay. And I don't and- get to choose. That's the other thing. There are some limitations. Like it's basically, they're all, it's, it's invested money too. So just like your 401k, you choose in both of our accounts, we choose the investments from a you know select group of investments we're allowed to pick. And what we don't get to choose is like if the market's up or down, right? It's just a crapshoot on like, I hope, Jill, I think at one point I actually did some research on like historically what's the market look like in July versus other months. I can't hmm. even remember what it was. doesn't matter because I can't control it. So I'll just be surprised on how the market's doing in July when it sells off some of my investments. Well, and I think it's important though to highlight that that it's still invested. So you know that yearly distribution is going to be a, a chunk of it. However, maybe by the next year, some of that chunk might have regained depending on the market conditions. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So you stay invested, which is the key to keeping your money growing and working for you throughout yeah. that time. Yeah, and you hope over yeah. time. Just like dollar cost averaging on the withdrawals, I hope over time, yeah, I'll have some up years, I'll have some down years, and um, you know, it'll it'll even out. Yeah, and I mean, I think along that point too, we were having this conversation recently, in that um, you know, we we left our jobs in May of 2022, and so within a month of that, or a couple months, is when the market really started going back down again over the summer, and. Um, you know, we'd, we'd kind of leading up to it really debated, you know, internally, how much cash do we want to have and how much do we keep invested? And um, I think both of us being just a little conservative financially wanted to have a substantial amount of cash, which I think has been great for us because yeah. we've not had to sell investments while the market's down. And um, had yeah, we- we're living off cash right, right now. Right, exactly. And, and, and interest rates being high, um, yeah, you know, yeah, has, cash that's sitting has, in a, has helped yeah. because, you know, we have, we have a cash reserve that we're using, but that's also generating much better interest than it was a year and a half yeah. ago. Just to um, clarify, not much, not just much. I mean, like way better. We're, we're in huge fans of Wealthfront and we're both, we both have accounts that are getting 4.55% interest, which nice. is crazy in a high, I mean, that hasn't happened in decades. So, I mean, yeah. unfortunately <clears throat> it's happening for a reason, which is not great for the economy right now, but it, it is nice to know that our cash is at least not sitting yeah. there earning nothing. And um, since we did decide to sit on a bit more than usual. Right. Definitely. And had we not, I mean, we might be feeling uh, a little, I don't know, not not rethinking everything, but certainly feeling a little stressed that we're having to sell, you know, while the market's down. Um, so I think for us, it, it was a little bit of just conservatism, but it worked out well considering kind of what the market did right as we were exiting. And Greg, it's funny. I forgot about the timing of when we left because right when we left, like a common question, the market tanked so bad right when we left both of our jobs. We got a common question in those first couple months from in person from people like on Instagram related to Friends on Fire of like, do you regret leaving now if you had known the market was going to kind of take such a downward turn and that we might be heading into a recession, et cetera. And I was like, not really, you know, like I can't, the market's always going to go up and down. Like I can't 
live my life and make massive decisions based on that. And if anything, I was like, I'm not worried. Like usually when, when you're going to a recession and companies are doing layoffs and everything else, you start to get worried about job security. And I was like, I'm not worried about, you know, like I'm going to be okay regardless of, and we're pretty diversified to Greg's point. So it's one of the reasons I'm very happy we started investing in some real estate in the last few years. And we just feel very well diversified and that we have a lot of options if things don't quite pan out the way we forecasted and predicted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. And like you said, diversification, just stacking some cash, of course, uh, ahead of time was super important. And yeah, um, another quick bit is if you don't have your money in the high yield savings account, I think that's another big win. At least get something for it because a lot of these bigger banks don't pay you anything for keeping your money there. You might as well get something and 4% is pretty decent uh, depending on how much money you have. I mean, it can be an extra 50 bucks, 100 bucks or whatever. So it's better than bonds are right now. Yeah. So for everyone who always, you know, had some strategy of a mix between stocks and bonds, like right now your money's better in in a high yield savings high yield savings account than it is in bonds. Not to say that's, that's you know, a trend that will continue. <laughs> awesome. I, I wanted to get back to how you were feeling in that uh in those months or, or days that you, you know, after you retired, let's go to after, because I'm pretty sure you, you had some time to plan out the retirement once you res- resigned and uh, the first week or two, can you t- talk to me a little bit about how that felt? Did it feel weird that you guys weren't going to work? Did it feel scary, exciting? How did you guys feel? I think like all of those were yeah. <laughs> weird, scary, exciting, but we'll maybe get into like, like fast forwarding three months later, because I'll say the first couple weeks, we we had a few weeks off and then we were taking our kids on a six week trip to Europe to kind of celebrate early retirement and this new flexibility we had. And so we kind of took the last or a big chunk of the summer with them and visited six countries. And it was really cool. So we were very like focused on last minute planning that we hadn't quite dealt with because we were still working. And so that was kind of a blur. Well, I don't think we should gloss over too much. I mean, it was a blur, but to, to your question, it felt pretty amazing. You know, yeah. that first Monday, not waking up and going to work was, was pretty yeah. cool. I mean, and at the time it was kind of a, kind of a blur, but it was also, um, you know, it was a weird kind of time. And as Maggie said, it, it went by very quickly because then we got right into a bunch of stuff. But I will say that that Sunday night going like, oh, Tomorrow is just like, yeah. and it was pretty cool. So I, mean, I think we had different experiences because I still had some, lo- we had like official last days, but I still had some like loose ends that I hadn't tied up. Oh yet, yeah. I checked out. I was is, done. He was like really good. Like he like took care of all his stuff. I was just like a little behind on some transition stuff and was still, I was kind of still burning some vacation and other things. So I felt, I, I really, I have a problem. Maggie was learning how not to work, basically. <laughs> I was pretty good at it. Monday, I was like, I'm done. Work's over. Maggie was like, but I'm still in work mode. Yeah, my computer still worked. My email still worked. Yes, I had like, so for me, it didn't really feel, I didn't have as, as like black and white of a transition or as hard of a transition as, as Greg did. And you're way better at like separating from, I, I have... <laughs> I have some boundaries. Could be read as I'm lazier, but you know we'll read that as better at uh, separating You're better from at not doing anything than I am. <laughs> um, yeah, I had more like I don't think I felt amazing day one. I felt I think I felt like I was like on vacation for a little while. You know, it didn't feel real in a lot of ways. 
That's what I was going to say. It could be like a feeling of a long or, you know, vacation. And then like you mentioned, Maggie, like around three months, possibly. That's when it's like, well, this vacation is lasting a lot longer. (laughs) Uh, So how did you feel after that transition? And also another question, did your relationship change at all since retirement? I think that would be an interesting thing to bring about here. Um, this is going question. deep. Yeah. It's like so, feeling, it's starting to feel like a therapy session. Greg will have to go first on that one. Um, but I will, so I will say like after we got back from vacation and we had been warned by so many people that it takes 12 to 18 months to up to like two years to really get into the groove of early retirement and kind of like detox and feel normal again and not like just that you'll go through a lot of different feelings. And so those warnings from people, like people we met at Camp Fi and um, FinCon and just other other places in the financial, in the fire space, and, and some people we'd had on the podcast too. If they hadn't given me that advice, I would have been like really in my head because we were both going through some, it, it wasn't all like rainbows and unicorns and, you know, glitters and sparkles. And like, it just there were a lot of weird feelings, right? Like we went through this phase that someone else taught me this term because I didn't know what it was, but it's ennui, ennui, it's French, ennui, E-N-N-U-I. And it's basically a feeling of listlessness from, and it's like the actual definition is from like lack of op- occupation or purpose. And like, I had all this stuff I wanted to do in retirement because I was like, I will never get bored. I, I've not been bored one day just to just to know that I'm like, if anything, I'm too busy. But I went, but I did go through a lot of like, I just wasn't motivated to do stuff. And I think it was like, I was going through a detox of sorts. You know, I just was going, I was like tired and I was catching up on sleep and I was resting and I was like watching more TV than I ideally would want to be. You know, I was just be, I went through kind of a lazy stage and it was probably really good for me, but it was super uncomfortable for me because that's not, how I'm wired. And so I just felt like I was like, how come I'm not motivated to do anything? Like I have all these things, personal things I want to do. And I just don't feel like doing anything. Yeah. Well, I think similar, uh, you know, for me, I kind of a mix of just, it's great. You don't have these, the stress of work and that, that is continues to be very amazing, but also, um, yeah, feelings of lack of motivation, kind of a little bit, um, you know, just unsure of kind of how to spend your time. And, you know, these conflicting thoughts of, well, no, I'm supposed to be relaxing, but no, I'm supposed to be figuring out how to, um, you know, what my passions are and, you know, spending my time, you know, doing these amazing things that people would would do if they weren't working, but they just don't have the time. And, and I'm taking this blessing and I'm just, you know, pissing it away because I'm not doing anything with it and all these conflicting feelings. And, you know, I I just, at the end of though, I try to give myself a lot of grace and say, you know, this is a, this is a longer journey. And, um, you know, right now we're transitioning and having that advice, like Maggie said, really helped because we've had so many people say this is so normal and and it can take a year or more to kind of yeah, and it stopped get, us both from getting in our heads about it. Yeah, and we still did to some extent, but I think from from really for me, I mean, I still am in my head about it sometimes. But um, I try to, you know, give myself grace and just um, really try to 
enjoy it, focus on the family now. Cause again, the kids are still here and young and, um, and, and I, that was one of our priorities. One, and, and yeah. so, um, you know, as they get older and continue to become more independent and, um, you know, we'll, we'll be able to use that time to kind of figure out what's next. And yeah. when I say what's next, I mean, I don't think either of us want to go to corporate kind of full-time jobs, but I think both of us, um, one thing we kind of said when we were even leading up to retirement, we were starting to feel like, gosh, are we, are we just like checking out of the world and what, you know, should we be doing more? And yeah. yeah, And I I kept kind of saying, well, I think while this may be the end of our kind of corporate careers, it's not the end of us doing something meaningful. Um, And so I think we both still aspire to do that. It's just, um, it won't be based on a financial decision of like, I need a paycheck for this. And I've been, I've been spending a ton of time doing volunteer work and, and it's actually interesting I'm not getting paid for any of it, but it is meaningful. Like it does fill me. I just had some, just a, a, t- a mom on the volleyball team, which literally one of my goals was to help other parents who are stressed out and stuff. So like when they're like, our ki- two of our kids are playing on a club volleyball team. When, when at practice, they're like, hey, we need a mom to sign up to like be in charge of all the snacks and do that. I'm like, I know nobody, well, everyone's like, nobody has time to do that. Everyone's looking around like, they need someone. and I'm like, no, I'll do it. And that's literally one of the reasons that was one of my goals in retirement was to be able to do that stuff, not just for our own kids, but to help all the other stressed out parents, which I used to be, who don't have time for that crap. And someone has to do it. And so it's funny, one of the moms said something to me yesterday because I was like organizing the snack bags or something. And she was like, I've really tried to do it in a way where I take the work off other parents. And she was like, you're the best team mom ever. Like it's so helpful. Mm-hmm. And I, re- and I was like, I, that accolade, that like feedback from her, it replaces what you miss in terms of like positive affirmation from having a job, which was also mixed in with a lot of not positive yeah. affirmation. <laughs> um, so the one thing I will mention that I think is relevant about our feelings post-retirement is of all the weird and new feelings we went through, which by the way, were super helpful to go through together because we were like constantly, I had someone to talk to, which is related to your kind of how did our relationship change? Um, So it was really nice to have Greg to talk to about this stuff. Um, But the one feeling I never had, which I was most afraid of was a feeling of regret. I really thought I was going to regret walking away from a good company, a high paying job and like a senior role that I couldn't just, I mean, I I could in the short term go back and get a job like that. But after I'm out of the game for five or 10 years, I can't just necessarily walk right back into a job like that if I wanted to. And I was very, I was very, I had a lot of fear around like, what am I doing? You know, like people would kill for a job like this and like, I should be really thankful and appreciative. And like, if I can do a job like this, shouldn't I? And what am I giving up in terms of additional financial security for my kids and just all these different things. And I, it's just interesting because of all the feelings I never once regretted leaving work. I always felt like, wow, I I thought so much of my identity was tied up in work. And I realized very quickly, like, I'm still the same person. I'm still here. I, you know, they don't even like, they'll be fine without me. You you just think like, how are they going to do this without me? Right. How, Mm. and I'm so much (laughs) of my identity is tied up in this. Um, and I just didn't have those feelings and I really thought I would, I don't think you thought you'd have those feelings as much, but I don't think so. But I mean, you still wonder, um, and worry that you'll have regrets and, and I, and I too have not had any regrets. I mean, I think I have moments where I feel like, 
oh, what am I, what am I doing with my time and how do I, but, but never regretting. So, you know, more, fe- more thoughts about the future of what do I do with myself, but not one. Not that you want to yeah, go back to what exactly, you were. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like, oh, I can't believe I did yeah. that job. Like, no, not, yeah. not one. I mean, I still, I, I um, overhear people on work calls sometimes or just, you know, and hear the way their normal, <laughs> their normal like conversation turns like, work mode professional conversation and they use different words and their voice tone changes. And I think, Oh God, I'm so glad I'm not in that anymore. (laughs) I I mean, it really like it's. I hear that when I'm out for walk, we walk a lot in the neighborhood and you'll hear somebody that a lot of people work from home now. And so they're like on work calls while they're out walking. Um, Yeah. And you'll hear bits and pieces and you're like, yep, don't miss that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no. And and it's, it's so uh, great that you guys highlighted like the expectations that you can have, like, as Greg mentioned with, um, you know, what am I doing with my time? I should be doing this. I should be doing that. Like, you know, basically you know, you're pissing away this uh, wonderful opportunity, but I think that it's a lot of things that that's, that's what a lot of people share in terms of feelings and what you said, Maggie, which is, you know, what am I giving up for this retirement, yeah. you know, future stability or et cetera. So Talk to me a little bit. I think you mentioned that you're not really afraid of the future. Like let's fast forward like 20 years from now. Um, You're not afraid of that because you can always feel like you can just go back to work or make some sort of money. So just two questions there. Uh, One, have you thought about maybe that long term necessarily more than 10 to 15 years? And then also, have you made any money since you retired? I have not thought about the long, long term. I mean, we, we did some, some kind of loose, rough future planning a few, like a couple months ago. And we were kind of doing it around like tax planning of, he had to make a decision about when his 457B would pay out. And so um, we, and we needed to have a better estimate of our income for health insurance on the marketplace, which is a huge amount of like, when we, we talk about just be, there's a lot to like work out when you leave jobs. Like that's kept us busy too, of like, We've had to change doctors in a lot of scenarios. We've and like just like a lot of busy work around like uh, getting your medical records from a previous one, and so just the whole health insurance piece is like it's a lot of work, but it's actually quite doable and not super expensive in early retirement if you're truly retired. And so, so tied to needing to forecast our income um, for medical benefits, we were kind of just doing some like rough planning and. And I was always like that in my career. Like, I just don't plan super far out. You know, I know so much is going to change, you know, like I'm kind of thinking about now until when our first kid can drive a car, which is like two years from now. So it's pretty short. Um, And and when the kids will start, all be off to college. Um, But I'm not, I'm just not, I think so much will, so many factors will change. I was like this at work. Like I was like, it was always hard to do long-term planning. Cause I'm like, we, we just cannot predict the future. So why do we try to predict more than just a couple years out? Like we have rough plans and, you know, rough calculations that we know will be okay. And intentions, I think. I yes. think it's one thing to set yeah. an intention, but another thing to say specifically, here's what I think our path's going to be. Yeah. So I think we, 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 we have this intention that we want to be doing things that are meaningful, that we want to be um, traveling. We're, we're traveling some now, but it's also with, um, with kids that are tied here with school. You know, the travel somewhat limited. So in 20 years, I think we have much more ability to yeah. 
live somewhere else for six months or, you know, do something like that. And so, um, you know, but I think other than kind of saying those high level intentions, neither of us are too worried about trying to, you know, pin it down exactly. Cause yeah. there's so much unpredicted. But one thing I will say too, is when you talk about like not worrying too much about the future and I'm, I'm sure other people who've, <clears throat> you know, run their numbers notice this too, but when you have a significant, you know, you've, you've saved for retirement or early retirement um, even small changes in income can really extend your horizon greatly. So, you know, even if in, you know, <clears throat> 10 years we were like, hey, let's do something that's, uh, you know, n- not super high income, but that's something we enjoy and make, I don't know, what's the equivalent to $30,000, $40,000 a year now. That that can change your horizon so much when you already have the base savings and so I think that's the other thing too, is that yeah. you don't have to go back to some really high paying corporate job to extend your savings significantly yeah. when you already have a high baseline. Yeah. So, or deal with something unexpected. Right. A high baseline, right. but also low expenses, right? Well, so that like too. Our mortgage right, is paid right. off. We, we just, we have less expenses than the average family. And I think we, we spend, well, we spend a good bit on travel, but we spend <clears> less <throat> than the average family. Chris, I will say, I don't want to avoid your question of, have we made any money? Um, I've technically, I've done like a few hours of financial coaching. I've not pushed for it, but like some people who reached out to me um, and I did charge for it. And so, but that was, you know, not, it was literally like five hours, maybe. Um, Greg has made some money and I can't tell you how, because we're about to do an episode on Friends on Fire. I was going to, I know Greg was probably looking at me. I'm like, can I talk about this? I put him on an embargo of talking about how he's made money. Um until we do an episode like explaining all of this um, because it's a little bit more of like a story around it. Um, and mm-hmm. he bought a Tesla related to it to further tease it. Um, yeah. well, and it's, it's a side hustle. It's not like, yeah, yeah. it's not anything where I'm making significant amounts, but, um, but it's, it's actually, been fun. It, so I'm going to tease it of like in the next few weeks on friends on fire, we're going to do an episode explaining what Greg's been doing and like how much money he's been making and why, but it's related to your like, did your relationship change? Because one thing I I always knew I need like some alone time. Like I just like, even when I was at work all day, like it took, I'm an introvert. Like it, I can be very extroverted, but it takes a lot of energy out of me. And then I need alone time, which is the definition of an introvert. And so I have just noticed like when he was in the beginning, like when we were both in the house all day, like just the two of us, sometimes it was like a little bit, I was like, I just, I think we need to see each other doing something other than lounging around in athleisure, you know, throughout the day. And I'm super like, I'm just always doing stuff. And so like, it's hard for me to watch him. Like it makes not. it hard for me to relax. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, It's hard for him to relax in front of me. Cause I'm like, don't you have like 50 things you need to do today? He's like, no, I'm good. So what's been fascinating about what he's been doing is been, I'll, I'll tease it with like, it's been super flexible. He can kind of do it whenever he wants to. Um, and it's been actually, I've like loved it for our relationship because you leave the house, not every day, but some days he leaves the house for a few hours. And I really like being in the house alone during the day. So I'll just I'll leave it at like how our relationship changed. I think the only thing is, like we're together a lot more than we used to be, which isn't really uh, been bad in any way. I think it's been nice. No, I was looking has. at you for your answer. But yeah, no, I was just letting you finish your yeah. answer. But um, yeah, I agree. And I mean, I think that what I will say is not just since retirement, but even this whole journey, um, you know, it, it requires a lot of communication. And I think um, just 
talking through, um, you know, initially it's the planning and the logistics and then, you know, when do you want to quit and when do we quit? And I think doing it together has been really helpful because I, I think as we've talked to about, um, kind of all these feelings you have, I think, and I'll, I'll just say for me, if, if I was still working and Maggie had retired and then yet she was having a little bit of like anxiety around it and having these like weird emotions, it would probably be pretty easy to go, what the hell's wrong with you? Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm half working and and still at work every day, you don't have to work and yet you're, um, you know, not happy. Why aren't you happy? And of course, you know, walking the same path with you, I totally understand it. I can empathize with it. So I, I would assume that I would be a little, it would be much harder for me to understand that. And I would be kind of, viewing it as like, you know, why aren't you, you know, why aren't you just happier? Why aren't you, you know? Um, so it's been, it's been a good journey for us to, to walk together and I think communicate through it and talk to each other about our feelings. And, um, well, I think that's why we ultimately decided to do it together. I mean, we, we, aside from me not having finished some transition stuff and kind of having like a loose time to help with some things at work, we had the exact same formal last day at work and, we did that on purpose because we were like, oh, it'd be fun, fun, you know, even when at some point my job was like asking if I could stay a little bit longer. I was like, it's just like a silly principle. But I was like, I agreed with Greg, we'd do the same day. So this is a firm date, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, <laughs> but it was I think it was it made it more fun. And we like purpose. We very thoughtfully planned that because I had heard advice, particularly actually from Julian and Chris Kirsten on Rich and Regular. Julian left the corporate world before Kirsten did. And I know she spoke openly, I think on the blog and and probably in their podcast too, about just you get some resentful feelings when you're like, oh, he's starting to like live his dreams and was starting to build their rich and regular business and was enjoying his days in a way that she was not, right? And it, it, it creates some feelings that where you're just, you're not on the same journey and path together. And it's a lot easier to be on the same, more enjoyable to, to be on the same path together. Yeah, no, it, it sounds like you guys did it right. And, and um, you guys were there to support each other, which is amazing through the journey or through the process. Um, you know, I, I, I appreciate you guys being so transparent as this case study for a couple that retires early on the same day. Um, you know, I think it helps a lot of people. And um, the reason why I ask the questions that I do about long term, etc. Uh, did you make any money? One is for the retirement police, you know, because, you know, if you make a dollar after you early retired, then they come out and say, you're not really retired. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I dispel that, of course. But the future planning is something that a lot of people worry about. And it kind of puts them off from maybe living their best life now or enjoying some of that free time or flexibility that early retirement can provide. Um People like Susie Orman that have come out and said, this can happen. That can happen. The The end of the world can be, you yeah, know, right around like the corner. like a fear monger of, yeah. Right, right. And so I love that you guys mentioned, you know, that that's not something that you're really focused with. And like you mentioned, Greg, a little bit of income, even 10 years down the road, can really help that nest egg not be depleted or just, you know, continue your path Um and, and living again, you, you know, you can't get the 10 years or 15 years that passed back, um, but right. you can always make a little bit of more money, uh, you know, if necessary. So thank you guys well, think, for, you know, for sharing that. 
Oh, I'm so, sorry to interrupt that. I was just going to no, say, I mean, good. to your point too, about the, the world ending. I mean, a, a lot of things started happening as we were getting close to retirement. I mean, the, the, the Russia Ukrainian war, you know, started and I mean, just all these things that you could start just getting a lot of fear about and, and do still think about and have a lot of, you know, compassion for, for what's going on over there. Um, but I think, you know, at some point you just got to say, well, you know, if the world does end or if things go crazy and the financial system collapses, well, I'm not really going to be better off if I'm in a job anyway, because I mean, who knows what will happen. And um, what would I want to have been doing the three or four months or six months or two years leading up to that? You yeah, know, would I would I want to be like, oh, OK, the last six months before the world ended, I was just working away and I, I even got a promotion. Or would you want to say, um, you know, like I spent that time with the people that I cared most yeah. about. And so whenever I would start getting this fear overtaking me, I would just kind of come back to, um, you know, I, I want to spend my time now with the people that I care most about. And while they're still here in the in the house with us, our kids will be yeah. off in college and, you know, not that many years. And We'll never get yeah. this time back. So whenever I have that fear, I just kind of really try to come back to what really matters. Um, and the fact that there is no truce to, I mean, you know, even when you're working in a career, you know, you try to make it as secure as possible, but you never know what's going to happen. None of us ever truly have 100% security all the time. So sometimes take a chance yeah. and, and, you know, yeah, which put is, yourself out there. Yeah. And your point in the take a chance of like, you may be at a point in life where you're not ready to fully never work again financially. You're not ready, but you might have enough that you can feel okay taking a few years off and you don't like what you're doing and you want to, you know, consider a career switch or something like that. And, and again, back to what we were talking about earlier with the pioneers and others who really sort of push that angle on just enjoying the journey. Um, I'm a big believer in that, right? And I do think there's not one single path for everybody. And uh, you're funny, Chris, like joking about the retirement police. And um, when when we do unveil kind of what Greg's doing, the retirement police can come down upon him. But the retirement police should also understand what child support is. Uh, and, it, and also like you having um, just time. Like I have a million things I want to do. And you don't right now necessarily, right? And so you've gotten, he's gotten like a massive amount of joy out of what he's been doing. And he's not really making like a massive amount of money from it. Um, but I'll, I'll quit teasing it since we're not actually talking about what it is. But um, yeah, there's just so many different paths people can take. And Well, and I think a little part-time work, whether it's volunteering or working for money, um, I mean, clearly volunteering is a great activity, but even if you want to work part-time, I just think like, you know, it's still retirement in the sense that it's, it's optional and it's, um, or even if it isn't optional for someone, even if they have to, that's yeah. part of their on, uh, what is it? Coast fire? What's Coast, the one where Coast you coast fire? I mean, you know, it's still the, the stress level is so different when you're doing something part-time than when you're, you know, fully invested in a career. And I think yeah. that's the thing is like, um, some of, and everyone has their own motivations for us, some of it's time. And for, for us, some of it is just, not having that, that overhanging stress. And I often, you know, would have to, when I would say, I want to do this to be with my kids more, I then have to kind of clarify, you know, our jobs gave us flexibility. I didn't miss that many kids out, you know, activities, but what I, what often happened is, is I was there physically, but mentally and emotionally, I was still sort of checked out or still thinking about the You're last call that didn't go well at work or, or checking, emails, checking or, emails like yeah. while some programs happening. 
worried about next week and this presentation and, you know, whereas um, now I don't do that. I mean, not that we don't have other stressors, but I'm I'm much much more more emotionally present than I think I was before. And to me, that's the big, the big change. Um, And one quick thing, I know we're trying to wrap up, but you just (laughs) said work optional, right? That, that to me is the piece. I know there's, um, is it Tanya Hester who has the book that's titled work optional? It's a great book. Um, But just the concept of yes, what you're doing, you could stop at any moment and still be totally fine, right? But you had some influx time. There were just, you know, a bunch of kind of reasons. And um, I just think, you know, again, like the, that feeling, it's kind of, it's the part of fire that I love is the phi part of it, because you have so much freedom now to do whatever you want, whenever you want, right? And I'm doing, I'm, I'm quote, working like, a lot lately. Like I've got a bunch of volunteer roles. I, I averaged it the other day and I was like, I'm working like 25 plus hours a week, which feels like way too much to me, but there, I don't make any money for it. It's all volunteer roles. Right. And I actually want to kind of pull back on it and uh, not just want to have committed that I'm mm. going to pull back on it. Um, and I just think that, you know, the, the five part of financial independence and the, the optionality of everything is the feeling that is a real, it's what feels so amazing. It's, it's the freedom to do in theory of, I mean, I've, we've obviously got responsibilities in our lives, but like whatever we want, whenever we want, like, it's a great feeling. And even when I get stressed about stuff, I remind myself, like I could stop any of this at any point. I'm not on someone's payroll. I, you know, I, I have things I've committed to, so I don't want to, but I could if I needed to. Mm-hmm. And and I completely agree with both of your guys's uh, takes there. So thank you again for sharing. And uh, again, I'm also very happy for both of you guys. Um, it's a big deal. So I just want to quickly congratulate you on that big achievement that you've made. I know it's been a year, but um, it's a pretty awesome achievement. So congrats. And uh, Thanks, hopefully I'll be joining you guys um, maybe five, 10 years down the road. Eventually I'll get there as well. But um, yeah. But thank you guys again for joining the show and the link. I'm going to link your Friends on Fire podcast episode where Greg shares this, um, you know, Tesla story or this side hustle <laughs> that he's got. Yeah. So check that out. And um, and again, thank you guys for joining the show. Thanks for having yeah. us. This has been great. And it's uh, always fun to kind of talk about this stuff with other like-minded people. And, um, you know, you, you learn a lot, too, as you have these conversations from others. So. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, Chris. All right.